0: If you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guests and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift a relationship or an emotional shift? Well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I am really excited to talk to you today because... um, I was giving it some thought and even though it's been 10 years since I wrote my first book common sense happiness it is evergreen and the principles apply just as much today as they did 10 years ago and right now I mean, especially right now in 2020, the year of crazy chaos, uh, I think it would be nice to just have a little bit of a reminder. And, uh, you know, I was talking with my show producer, Christy Olson, who you are all going to meet here very soon. And we thought it would be fun to just take one principle at a time. There's five of them in the book and just do a deep dive into them. Um, Just give everybody a reminder of what they can do to keep. generating some happiness in their life so that is what I have in store for you today I'm glad you're here
1: and uh, hey everybody meet Christy hello everyone thank you uh, for welcoming me to we're talking shift for the first time really excited to chat a little bit about happiness principles I have of course read Lori's book and um, a lot of breakthroughs for me in there so I'm, I'm really excited to have an opportunity to pick your brain about it a little bit more. Well, I'm glad you're here, and I think this will be fun. I haven't really,
0: I, I really haven't done a dive into my book on the podcast yet, so I think this is going to be fun. And I love the fact that you've read it and uh, you're ready to share some stuff with everyone. And I look forward to your questions. This will be good to just bring it all up again. So, Christy, tell me uh, what was your first big aha when you jumped into the book?
1: Well. Uh, you started off even before we get into the principles with this great introduction that kind of encourages us to take responsibility for our own happiness. I really like the idea. I'm a bit of a control freak. We've talked about this. I like the idea that I'm in charge of my happiness and that the things that I do on a daily basis can actually, you know, truly affect my life in the way that I feel. So one of those first questions that you asked even in just exploring with people was like, Um, you know what, let me just find it precisely because it is so powerful that I think it will really speak to people. And I just latched onto it immediately and um, thought to myself, you know, I think a lot of people are mistaking maybe depression, especially right now, with just simply some feelings of sadness and not being happy. And I'm sure there's a big difference there, one that you can probably speak to as a holistic nutritionist and, and with your sort of expertise everyone isn't depressed all the time, right? Our words are powerful and we hear people describing themselves in that way, but what's really going on there? Yeah, that's a really good
0: question because um, I mean, I think that there is an important distinction to be made uh, between depressed, like clinically depressed and being unhappy. I mean, one is literally, you should probably be under your doctor or therapist. Um, you know, supervision. If you are, there are people that are, you know, clinically depressed and that is not what we're talking about. There's a cause and effect thing going on here. And um, the cause is when you're stuck in a habitual way of thinking. So if you have pretty well got a pattern or a habit of thinking of things, situations and experiences in a certain way that is negative or, and disempowering, um, then the effect of that is going to be that you are going to be experiencing negative emotions, right? You're going to feel sad or you're going to feel frustrated or you're you're going to feel disheartened. So that's the distinction. Um, There is a lot of power that I think people just don't realize or haven't learned how to use within themselves just simply by Shifting their thinking, as you know, I always say that is the antidote to being stuck. So when you are stuck in a state of mind that has you thinking that you are depressed or sad, you actually might be doing yourself a great disservice by not utilizing the very power within yourself to move out of that state.
1: Yeah, see, that's what really speaks to me so much about what you do and, and your advice is that we're really taking it upon ourselves. And once you can acknowledge that responsibility, I think that um, can kind of pave the way, right? That can be the first step down a journey to being happier and, and feeling more successful and feeling more fulfilled. I, as I get older, I'm starting to realize that those things are all up here, right? Like they're not in your bank account. They're not on your IMDb page. Like it's up here, Right.
0: No, that's really that's a good way to look at it. They they really are because you know, here's what I I like to look at it this way. Happiness is it's not an experience. Happiness is a state of being, like depression. Happiness is a state of being. Happy is a feeling like sad mm-hmm. i'm happy i'm sad i'm mad i'm angry i'm frustrated i'm stressed i'm elated i'm overjoyed or i'm miserable those are all feelings right and feelings come and go but a state has weight it's you're all a state is where you live but an experience like a feeling that that you feel that but i don't live there so you can still live in a state of happiness all the time, but within that state, you will still, as a human being, experience the ebb and flow of different feelings. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And I'm really happy to hear you say that because I'm not a very patient person. So I get frustrated really easily just throughout my day. You know, I try to keep a routine and I have all these things I'm doing. I'm taking my vitamins and I'm eating right and I'm doing all the things. And I, I just easily get annoyed and I start to think, you know, if I get annoyed about something in the morning, I'm like, does this ruin my whole day? Well, I finally realize it doesn't have to. Uh, and I heard somewhere that emotions only last for like six seconds, but it's what you attach to it and, and all that, that kind of causes a problem for you throughout the rest of your day. And that's just something that I'm always kind of struggling with a little bit. You know, it's like, oh, I spilled my tea this morning. Well, that does not make this a bad day. Like it's okay. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. All you did was spill the tea. right? (laughs) (laughs) So you can either attach a whole bunch of, you know, negative feelings to that. Like, oh my God, I'm such a slob or oh my God, I've made a bigger mess for myself. I don't have time for this. This is stressful. I've ruined my carpet, whatever. You can attach all this stuff that is going to make you feel bad about it. Because, you're, because those are thoughts that you're generating right. that you're applying to the situation. Or you can take away all of the feeling because there doesn't have to be any feeling involved with spilling your tea. You can just look at it as, this is what happened. I spilled the tea. What do I need to do? Clean it up. Forget about it. Move on. So it's when you sit and, and attach all the negative things to it then you start generating the emotion. And then if you're somebody that um, has a tendency to dwell on things and you start living, you literally dwelling means you're living somewhere. That's what dwelling is. So if you're living in that state of mind, then you're generating the emotions that are associated with that. And so as long as you're going to live and dwell in that state of mind all day, then you're going to generate those kind of feelings
1: and emotions all day. Make sense? That makes so much sense. I would love to be able to just kind of, you know, snap my fingers and like be like, okay, shake it off, get out of that. Um, But I'm also someone who just thinks obsessively the same thought over and over again, oh my gosh, this happened, this happened, this happened, or this person said this, they said this, they said this, and you hear it over and over in your mind. And how do you kind of just like leapfrog over the situation so you can move on or like get past those those thoughts in your head? I mean, we know that they're not serving us. I, I know that thinking those things doesn't help me get through my day, but I still cannot help myself. Right,
0: so, so it takes practice, um, first of all, because if, if that's sort of your patterned way of of doing things. If that's sort of how you've always been, you have a habit of doing that, of latching onto something, and then you have a hard time letting it go. (laughs) So now what's happened is you have practiced being that kind of a thinker for your whole life. So now you're really good at it. So in, right, it's like anything else. The more (laughs) we practice, the better we get at it. And that, not only applies to things that we you know skills that we want to have but it applies to the habits that maybe aren't serving us well anymore right so in order to uh, you know create new habits you have to replace the old ones with better ones with new ones and then you have to practice them over and over now one of the ways to practice changing your thinking is first of all you just have to become aware of what you're doing so like you said well i know i'm aware of it but i just can't seem to you know get myself out of it but i think if we back it up to the meaning that you're applying to the experience or the situation or the person if if you think about yeah but what is what do i want that to mean to me because from the meaning comes the you know, the the conscious thoughts that you're going to start thinking over and over. And then from those thoughts, you're going to generate the emotions. So if you go back it up to to the cause, again, cause and effect. So if you back it up to the cause, which is what meaning have I applied to this? So let's take your example. Somebody said something negative, maybe. They said this and that, and I just can't stop thinking about it. That really, you know, bothers me or whatever. So you've applied, you've attached a meaning to it that is something that is uncomfortable for you, that you don't like, that you don't, you don't want that. You want them to have shown up a different way, to have said something different, so that you can feel okay. But that's not reality. This is what no, and did. it really
1: bothers me that I can't make other people do and say the right things too. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, if we could just
0: do that, everything would be fine. <laughs> Damn. So, so so, I think if you, you've got to really get yourself to be willing to attach a new meaning to the person or the situation, right? You've got to attach a new meaning to it that you can feel more neutral about. Maybe you can't get to the place of feeling good about it, but maybe you can at least level up from a place of negativity and feeling bad about it. Maybe you can just level it up to neutral. And that way, it will be easier for your mind to stop gripping it so much. Um, You know what I'm saying? So level up to a different meaning. And maybe the meaning is, um, well, you know what? They, this person doesn't really know me that well. You know, or maybe the meaning is, you know, I don't really have to be concerned about what that person thinks um, because I know in my heart that that's not true or that that's inaccurate. Um, the people that know me well know that that's not true or that's inaccurate. So really, do I have to do I have to feel like this about it? Do I want to give away my whole peace of mind right now for something that really I can't change or undo? or would I rather just, Put it in a different place by applying a different meaning to it and move on
1: yeah and you know that I, that sounds like um like a big undertaking of course and i when we're making personal changes it's going to be but also in your book kind of the message was that it's 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 simple and you can practice happiness and i know i can practice assigning a new meaning to things like you just explained but how, how do we do that? How do we practice being happy until, I, I assume the idea is we practice it so much that we're just all of a sudden really good at being happy, right? Well, you know, yes, yes. It takes a lot of yeah. practice. You know,
0: that's true. It does take practice. I'm, I'm not going to say that um, it's not maybe going to take some effort and that it might be hard, you know, for some people, but it's not complicated. It is simple, but simple doesn't necessarily mean it won't be a little bit hard. It's going to, you know, it's it's like if you've never, you know, picked up a weight in your life and now you're going to go into the gym and you're going to start lifting weights, it's going to be hard and your muscles are going to be sore and you and you and it may be so foreign to you and uncomfortable that you might not want to go back and keep doing it. But you know that if you will go ahead and keep trying and if you're willing to keep practicing that you're going to you know get past that discomfort and you're going to start to feel better just like in the gym you're going to start to feel better about yourself you're going to start to get stronger it's going to start to get easier so you have to be willing to you know go the distance with it and and you know what if you want more peace of mind if you want to move into that state of happiness if that's really important to you if you prioritize that then you'll do the work. It's that simple. If you want it badly enough, you'll do it.
1: Wow, that's really powerful. Man, you know, I. I'm thinking this is what you do the best, Lori, is to inspire us and encourage us to kind of um, take responsibility, you know, for our own actions and our own happiness. And that's just really cool. I think a lot of, um, there's there's so much content out there right now, right, from coaches and positivity stuff. And a lot of it seems like just consume more of my positive speak and you will also become happy like I am. Um, And I just really appreciate this approach that you're taking that, you know, we, we do have to do the work a little bit, but that we can really change who we've always been if we want to.
0: We can. And it really is a mind training. That's all it is. You're really training your mind because that's where all of this stuff is being generated from. That's where your, you know, your feelings and your emotions, that your emotions are energy. So, you know, it's, it's, you've probably heard it before. Emotion is energy in motion. So when you're feeling happy, that's an energy. When you're feeling sad, that's an energy. They're just different vibrations of energy. You know, they're just on it, but they're all on the same spectrum of energy. So, you know, the thing is, once you start doing it and you're practicing and you realize that if you change the meaning of some things that before made you feel bad, and now you feel a little bit better, that is something that becomes addictive because feeling Mm -hmm. good feels good. And usually (laughs) we want
1: more of that, right? Right.
0: I mean, not everyone. Some this people this are may also be the reason why
1: I drink too many glasses of wine sometimes, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We have to be careful of what we get addicted to. But,
0: right. But some people are addicted to feeling miserable. It's just a patterned way of being. Maybe that's what was um, how they grew up. Maybe that's what was modeled to them their whole lives. And they just, Don't even know that there's a whole different way to think about things and approach things. So, you know, reading things, reading other people's positivity books, like you mentioned, I mean, the more of that you do, the more you'll see some of the core messages that, you know, will start to sink in, which is basically it all starts up here. It all starts with your mindset. It's why I always say, mind your mind, meaning tend to your thoughts. That's what that means. If you tend to your thoughts and you start becoming very consciously aware of how you're thinking about things and people, the the meaning that you're applying to those things, you can literally shift the way you feel that fast. Mm-hmm. So if you want, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you want to feel good, if you want to feel better, if you want to live in a state of happiness and not be subject to the, um, you know, ebb and flow of feelings, then learn how to mind your mind and you will start to become a master of your emotions and be able to live in a state of happiness. Now that doesn't mean that you won't still have feelings that you know, aren't good. Sometimes, you know, maybe somebody you love dies and you're going to have feelings of grief. Maybe, you know, there's some sort of a financial disaster in your, in your household and you're going to have feelings of stress and fear, but you can still experience those feelings and manage them much better if they're inside of your overall state of happiness, if that helps. Make sense?
1: It does very, very much so. And I feel like we're kind of like knocking all the balls out of the park, right? Okay. We got this checked off and this checked off. We're going to think about things different. We're going to take a different perspective and we can, you know, be a hundred percent in control. And then fear comes creeping in, right? This is something, um, I don't consider myself, you know, like, like a fearful person. I kind of like to attack things and get out there. I'm kind of willing to try anything, but, for me, there's always a little voice of like, "What's everyone else gonna say? What are people gonna think about this? How are others going to respond to this? That's the fear that i um that keeps me from maybe moving forward or trying the next big, great thing for me mm-hmm. and and I know that's a tough one. that's a whole nother can of worms, right
0: <laughs> yeah I mean that's a big one and and also you know what you say about basically what you're saying is the fear is will what i want to do or say next be approved upon by others or am, is this going to you know foster a reaction of approval or disapproval right. and since we're, I think, I think part of that is because we're, you know, as humans, we're, we're basically tribal by nature. And mm-hmm. connection is something that is a, a part of our, it's, it's one of our human needs is connection. It's very powerful. So if we mistakenly, which I think is what we do, if we mistakenly think that, believe that we're not going to be accepted by the group, or somehow we're going to be shunned by others, by our, our tribe, our community, um, then that is, that's not good. That's, so that generates fear. But logically we know that that's not really true. Unless you're, you know, an axe murderer, then you're probably going to be, you know, pretty well excommunicated. You probably shouldn't do that because people are definitely not (laughs) going to want to connect with you. They are going to isolate you because they are fearful. (laughs) But beyond something ridiculous like that, um, I think that we all, most people, struggle with that kind of a fear. Um, the fear of rejection, the fear of not being approved, you know, by the people that matter to them. And even now, I think it's being um, more so now because of social media, we want the approval of everybody, you know, on the planet. And that's a terrible state of mind to allow
1: yourself to be in. It's because you
0: can't win that
1: game. Yeah, but I really like how you don't just, you didn't just blame social media straight away. You know, that explanation that we're tribal by nature, like that makes sense to me. So that's something I can go, okay, God made me to be, um, you know, a group creature. And so it's okay that I want, um, approval from, you know, the rest of the tribe. I think so many, People now just say, well, just get off social media. Social media is the problem. That's your problem. You know, just get off there. Just don't read it. Just, um, you know, disconnect for a day or two. And, and first of all, I would love to be able to do that. I would love, love, love to be able to do that. Unfortunately, I can't because of my job. And that's something I've chosen, of course. But social media can't be 100% the problem. And I know that I would worry about what people think about me or what I do, whether they had, you know, a place to comment on it or not
0: yeah it's not fair to blame social media for everything <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> It would be easy oh it's it's that thing's fault, but really um you know we can use that as an opportunity to look at ourselves and look at the areas where we ourselves need to strengthen or grow or somehow work on within ourselves so if needing approval if you're finding that that is an area that You know you're you're suffering from because you're not getting what you want. Then that that can be an opportunity for you to say, oh, this is something that maybe I need to work on. You know, fear of not having the approval of everybody under the sun. um, You know, that's 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 very disempowering. So what is it within yourself that feels you need that? Because really, we all know logically we don't need that. We don't really need any any of the we don't really need approval from most people. We need a lot less approval than we think we do. I mean, there are certain things that are obvious, you know, we have to, you know, follow, follow some laws and follow some rules and um, you know, be, be civil human beings. Those are, you know, obvious things. But I think that, you know, that kind of fear can just stop us in our tracks from doing some things that maybe we really want to do, but, but we're afraid to because of that. So that's when we want to really look at it and go, what is it in me that is so, um, you know, challenging about this and how do I overcome that?
1: Yeah. It's, is it like, what is my fear trying to tell me? Kind of. Sure
0: sure because you know if that's a if if it's that it's maybe it's an insecurity or what's going to happen right. if not what's going to happen if you know a half a million people don't approve of something mm-hmm. you just said or did but what's going to happen if um you know a million people do i mean how much mm-hmm. do you need you know <laughs> so, so so that's one way of looking at it but i think the biggest point here so we don't go off into the to the weeds too much though is fear you know, fear can be your friend because it can show you what you need to work on. And it, something like fear of disapproval, that's something that you need to work on because you don't want to have that kind of a fear keep you from having or doing or being or saying something that you really want to express or experience.
1: Mm-hmm. And you, you made a great example there of like a really easy pivot. Like, yeah, what if half a million people don't like what I do? What if a million people do like it? With the second you said that I went, oh, oh my God. Well, that would be really cool. Like I should get going on that thing that I'm thinking about right now. Because yeah, what if a million people do love it instead of everyone thinking it's stupid? you know? Uh, so that just seems so easy and simple right there when you did that. Uh, for, but for some reason, that's just not the way that we condition ourselves to, to think automatically, right? Is that possible? Can I train my brain to do that all the time? Sure. You know what that, yes. And sometimes
0: though, there's just always going to be um, a fear. And I think it's a fear that, you know, we're I think it's natural. Most people have a fear of not having or being enough of something. So I'm not going to have enough, you know, credibility. I'm not going to have enough credentials. I'm not going to have enough information or I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to deliver it in the right way. It's all that fear of not having or being enough of something. So if you want to though really experience your potential, then sometimes you have to take that leap or take that step in spite of the fear. You just get comfortable with the fear. And you can call it something else. You can call it energy because mm-hmm. fear is an emotion. And what do we say emotions are? They're energy. Right. So. You know, for me, I I'll, I still do things. Even before I do a podcast like this with a guest or something, I'm, I get like, oh, am I going to be good enough? To, am I going to ask the right questions? Or am I going to be able to, you know, carry an interesting conversation and, and bring value to my listeners? You know, so there's always this little nagging thing that and my heart starts to beat a little bit faster when we jump on. But in my mind, I frame it not as fear. I frame it up. I I I repurpose it as energy you know and and I just call it energy and excitement and I think that for some people that energy that we when we automatically call it fear fear is something that we want to resist we want to go away from that we don't want that but if you call it instead energy then you can say to yourself well this is um, you know this is energy that I am going to focus on a specific task at hand And I can be excited about that because the, you know, the, the
1: result, the effect of this could be something really great. Wow. That really speaks to me. I find that really empowering because I can think of, um, an example in my life where I do that. Like I always think of myself as someone who doesn't get nervous. I I know that because I was nervous one time in my entire life, and I know how that felt. And so I just always say like, I don't get nervous. Thank God, you know. I've been in front of people, and you know, in dance and speech and all those things for so many years that that's one fear a lot of people have that I don't. And you know, before a big event or something, or I'm going on live somewhere, and people say, Are you nervous? I'm like, No, I'm excited. So I can kind of acknowledge that and go, oh, I've taken whatever a lot of people get wound up about nerves and being nervous into like, oh my God, this is happening. It's finally here. It's time. Let's do this. I can't wait. So when you, um, you know, explain fear that way, I go, oh. I've done that with nervousness, so, you know, now I, I can do that with other aspects of my, my fear.
0: <laughs> right. right. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the resource to, um, that you have within you to transform what some people would say, nervousness into excitement, that's the same skill, the same resource that you would use to transform your fear into a positive energy, Right. But so I have to ask, are you willing to share what the one thing was that you got nervous about? One thing in your life? I'm, a, I'm
1: like jealous and B, I'm
0: super curious.
1: I, I am comfortable sharing this with you, Lori, because you are a former model. Uh, the one time I was nervous was when I competed uh, in a beauty pageant, which was something I had always wanted to do. This was many years ago before... Um, kind of the feeling about pageants changed right and I still found it a a very positive um, and you know kind of life-affirming decision that I made I'm so glad I did it but that of course involved putting on some high heels getting in a bikini and strutting your stuff on stage in front of all the pageant moms in front of everybody, all the other contestants, families, and friends, right? And my mom was there to support me as well. But I just remember being there with the lights on me as I have been a million times when I'm speaking, but not having a microphone in my hand and my legs wouldn't move. I just thought, oh my God, like I can't move my legs. And this is what people mean when they talk about being nervous and being mm. paralyzed. Um, and I of course finally got going, you know, and I, I went a little too quick. I, I was rushed because I think because of that nervousness and maybe just wanting it to be over, you know, uh, people who know me well, will tell you I'm not the type to, to prance around in a bikini, no matter how hard I've been working out. So that was the one time. And that's how I know, cause I've never experienced that, uh, before or after, but I certainly, Certainly um, now can identify with people who do and I understand how difficult that really is to get over and I really admire people who, you know, go and get out on stage and do things, uh, even though they do get nervous.
0: Right, right. Well, um, I can relate to that. Uh, I did, <laughs> you know. I did a, a pageant. Um, Oh gosh, I'm sure it was like 25 years ago, um, maybe longer. I don't know. It was like Mrs. Georgia or something like that pageant when I lived in when we lived in Atlanta. Um, and I get it. I was I was so insanely nervous. Um, I didn't experience it didn't show up the same way it did for me like it did for you, where I was frozen on stage for a minute. But <laughs> how it showed up for me was, I couldn't sleep the entire night before the pageant. So I was so exhausted oh, no. because my my nervousness, you know, the fear of, am I going to do something wrong? Am I going to say something wrong? How am I going to answer these? Questions? You know, all these unknowns, um, and having the spotlight on you was so frightening to me that I couldn't sleep at all the entire night before. So I was exhausted going, you know, I still went out and did my thing and, um, you know, whatever, you know,
1: (laughs) obviously I didn't win. (laughs) Well, obviously I didn't either. Didn't even crack the top 15.
0: And I was so, so relieved when that was over. (laughs) Okay. I don't think I'm cut out for this.
1: And I, and I've kind of been able to laugh about it since then, but even now thinking about it, I almost got annoyed. It's like, I couldn't get past the nervous part to get to the part, to get myself into the part of the competition where I could have spoken and answered questions. And that's where I really could have shined. But you know, my fear on the aspect of it that I wasn't confident in, uh, really, you know, cut me off and I, and I wasn't even able to get to that next point where I would have been confident. Yeah. And
0: that is, that is so key right there when it comes to doing anything that we find, you know, fearful that we're hesitating. If we could just take that, just have some faith and take that leap and know that it's going to get you to the next place where maybe you are going to shine. Maybe you are going to do even better here. You know, you're just, it's just part of moving forward. And then the other thing is thinking about what's the worst that can happen. If you stumble, or what's the worst that can happen if you um, you know don't if it doesn't play out the way you want it to? The worst that can happen, that's what I've taught myself, and that's what I talk to so many of my clients about is we have to talk about, but what is the very worst that can happen? And can you live with that? Can you be okay with that? You know, are you gonna burst into flames? Is your head gonna spin off your shoulders? You know, uh, I mean what what is really the worst that can happen? And usually when we think about the very worst that can happen, if we can get ourselves to be, well, you know, that's actually not so bad. I can, I could really probably deal with that. Okay. It makes
1: it a little easier to take the risk. Okay. So we shouldn't worry about going too far down that rabbit hole. Like I, I, I worry that if I put my focus on what's the worst that could happen, maybe I'll get caught up in that. And, and, get to thinking that that is what will happen.
0: Yeah, no, because you're not dwelling on, um, okay, this is going to happen. What you're trying to, um, I think what you're trying to think about is, because not everything is going to pan out the way you want it to all the time. I mean, there are just, you know, that's just life. We might have something we want to do, a goal or a project or something, and then there's that thing that is causing us to hesitate. Um, We might not get the outcome that we want or that we envision. It happens all the time to everyone it's just you know that's just life we don't get to control every single aspect of every experience especially when there's other people involved because we don't get to control other people so i think that if you think about yeah but can i live with it's not it's not a i'm going to spend time envisioning the worst that can happen it's just but it's just getting real with really is the worst that can happen so bad that it's going to prevent you from taking the risk? Or now that you've named what is the worst thing that can happen, are you still willing? Is it worth taking the risk to move forward?
1: I I get that. I get that. I see how if we combine it with the other thing you did before about how we think about the really best thing that could happen, (laughs) that that could be really powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: So. Uh, that's great. I feel like, all right, we knocked fear out of the park. Like we are so running the bases on our way to a home run of happiness. <laughs> Where does stress <laughs> land in all this? How does stress kind of take us off our path? Or stress feels like something we can't control in the same way that we can control our our feelings? Because stress feels like something that's happening to us, not something that we're making happen. But that can't be right, right? Because we're taking yeah. responsibility for our own actions. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. So stress um, is usually self-imposed, not always, but it is. I mean, there are situations, and then depending on how we decide we're going to react to the situation, we're either going to put ourselves in a state of stress or,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or we're not. So stress, again, um, I think that stress comes from resistance. Um, oh. So resistance, again, is a reaction. So, you know, and it's a reaction that is, um, I think it's like a negative reaction. When you put yourself in a state of resistance, um, you are, the tendency is to be defensive because whatever is causing you stress, you don't want, you feel like you're somehow being attacked, right? And so naturally that puts you in a state of being defensive. Um, It's negative and it's closed off. So that's all resistance. Um, If you have less resistance, if you are just willing to be okay with what is and you have less resistance, now you kind of free yourself up to move out of that area of whatever it is that's causing you stress or to manage it in a way that's more healthy and less stressful so it's kind of like if you think of um, what are those toys uh, the Chinese finger trap it's like those little tubes that are made out of bamboo and you put your index fingers in right and the more you pull apart the more stress the more it resists releasing you right but if Go you ahead. just but if you just stop resisting and pulling and you know and not liking it and you just relax then you can just slip it off your fingers and go on to whatever else you want to, you want to go on to, right? So that's, that's what I think stress is like. I think that the more that you allow yourself to be in that state of mind of resistance and hating and, and just being so uncomfortable, um, the harder it is for you to actually find a solution Or find a way to manage your emotions so that you can better deal with whatever the situation is at hand that's making you feel like you need to be stressed.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering too, I think you, you know, coming from the holistic world and stuff, you must have some really great ways of relieving stress or things that you've seen that have worked really well for your clients over the years. Like, do you have some specific suggestions, you know, especially right now if people are stuck at home a lot or are dealing with um, taking on roles they've never had to take on before? Right, parent slash teacher, you know, work from home slash <laughs> whatever all the other things that people have to be doing now. Um, how how can we manage that just on a on a day to day? I think
0: um, one thing we can do is to practice responding to the situations mm-hmm. going on in your environment rather than reacting to them. And I know in the, like in the dictionary, the definitions to responding and reacting are quite similar, but I like to think of them differently because it, um, it evokes a different action. Mm -hmm. So when we are reacting to something, we're literally acting again, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're coming at something from, in a way that we've come at it before because we because we're creatures of habit, so if um you know if if there is um, let's say there's there's squabbling and bickering and argumenting going arguments going on at home because right now, everybody's kind of stuck at home for the most part and trying to deal with new schedules and no schedules and <laughs> all that comes along with um, a pandemic and a lockdown so. We have a tendency to keep doing, you know, to keep talking to the people in our environment the same way and then and responding the same way, especially when there are triggers and stress points. So that means you're, you just, you keep getting the same result, right? Because you react, you keep acting, do, it's a do over, over and over and over. And people never seem to really find a solution out of that. I like to say, respond. And to me, when you look at it as if, if, you, if you differentiate that in your mind, to me, I say respond. And I, I, I kind of qualify that as meaning responsible correspondence.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: <laughs> so that's how I sort of separate them because when I think of responsible correspondence, it gives me pause to to stop and think about well what would that be so rather than a knee-jerk reaction and you know coming at somebody the same way i you always have i'm going to pause and i'm going to think what is the responsible correspondence here because correspondence doesn't just mean written communication correspondence also means harmony and interaction and connection so if i want to have harmony then i need to connect and i need to interact in a certain way that's going to promote you know peace and a solution and that is obviously much less stressful than everybody having their own knee jerk reactions so that's one way change that's your a, that's a good way notice. to to change your reactions to responses and think of that as what would be a responsible correspondence in this situation and that way rather than escalating negative emotion and tension you are de-escalating and moving toward um you know harmony and doesn't that seem like it would feel much better right? It does. So so that's, that's one thing. I think another thing is to literally, if you feel that you can't even do that, sometimes we just have to walk away and go have our space. And just, you know, some people, for some people, you might have to go hide in your closet or your bathroom for a few minutes, but you need to, you need to change your state because now you're in a state Of stress. You're in a state of negativity. So to get back into a different state, there are certain things that we can do. Music will change our state. Any kind of physical activity will change our state. You could literally turn some music on and say, All right, everybody that's in this room with me, we're having a dance off, whatever. You can do, you know, you can you can do things that will instantly change the energy in the whole room just by you making the effort and saying, I'm going to do this. So maybe you're going to disengage and you need to go and you're, maybe you're going to talk to God or maybe you're going to meditate or maybe you're just going to take 10 deep breaths and calm yourself down. Maybe you're going to, you know, look at some affirmations that maybe you've stuck on post-its up on your bathroom mirror and remind you of what you're trying to do in your life. I mean, there's a million ways to do it, but changing your state can be done with, The things you say to yourself. And if you can't talk yourself into a different state, you can put music on because that vibration can change your state. Everybody knows that music makes you feel a certain way. So, you know, put something on that you know makes you always feel. Lighter, it makes you always feel hopeful. Makes you always feel better in some way, and then you can change your state. But you can change your state by meditating. It's not for everybody. You can change your state, but you know if it works for you. But you can change your state by doing something physical: a walk, deep breathing, deep knee bends. I mean, anything physical will help you change your state. So if you really want to change the atmosphere, the energy in the room, then you be the generator of it and you go do something that causes a change
1: I love that. I love that. The the music thing, I think specifically, that's great advice. I know for myself, how I talked about getting a little bit too wound up in the mornings and and letting that all kind of spiral down. I know if I put on something called like meditation music, it's on YouTube, it's on iTunes, you can get it anywhere. There are videos that are like eight hours long and just throw that on my TV. And I'm hearing like spa music basically (laughs) throughout the day that it just is a lot easier for me to just keep myself calm rather than like, blasting the empowered female rap that I usually love to listen to <laughs> that just maybe right. isn't the right vibe for like 7 a.m. when I'm trying to work. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you are, you know, if everybody's in a state of anger and upset, you don't want to put, you know, probably headbanging music on. Um, <laughs> you know, so right. And you don't want to maybe put something on that, um, you know, always makes you feel sad. I mean, you know, common sense has put something on that somehow has a feel good vibe to it. And allow yourself to move into a different state. But you have to be, will- that's, that's so key. You have to be willing to loosen your grip on the state that you're in and allow mm-hmm. yourself to move into another state. Because sometimes, you know, people, um, they, they get a little bit stuck. And um, it's such a natural way to be um, in a state of misery or a state of anger that they kind of don't want to let go of that. Mm-hmm. So you really have to be willing to you know, say to yourself, is this really, um, is this really what I want? Does this really make me feel great, um, you know, having this attitude? So willingness is a big part of it.
1: Wow. And that kind of, I think, lends perfectly talking about, you know, cranking up the music and make everybody have a dance party in the room to change the energy a little bit. uh, Reminds me of the last kind of uh, thought here in your first principle of how to be happy. You say, bring your happiness and completeness to the dance with you that I think is really powerful. Um, it was a great way to kind of bookend the chapter for me having read it. Can you elaborate on that or explain that a little bit, um, to the people listening?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, when I wrote that, my thought was, I have been hearing a lot of, um, you complete me. (laughs) I have been hearing a lot of my soulmate and you complete me. And, um, I thought, you know, not to knock those things, but but I kind of feel like, you know, we don't need to pair up with somebody because we are looking for someone else to fill voids in us. I think that is a mistake that a lot of people make. And feeling like you're not already full and whole and complete and that you need another person to do that is, um, is a kind of a dangerous state of mind to be in. Um, And it's puts a burden on another person that shouldn't be put on them. So it it doesn't mean that um, you don't come to the relationship with an open mind and willing to consider that you will have things that you're going to learn from each other and teach each other. That's not the same, though, as showing up, feeling like you're already whole and complete within yourself, and you're not looking for that outside thing to fill an emptiness or a void in you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It it makes a lot of sense.
1: Um, and, and probably easy for us to understand, uh, because we spend a lot of time away from our significant others, right? So for me, I've kind of had no choice, but to make sure I'm whole on my own. Um, but I, I know that must be very difficult for, for others.
0: Sure. Sure. And I, I get it. Um, you know, we, Eric traveled, constantly. So we didn't have months and months and months when we were apart, you know, in our earlier part of our marriage when our kids were young, but we had continual, like at 50% of the time when he was on the road. So I was pretty much at home, you know, managing the household and uh, the kids a good 50% of the time for quite a few years. And I could have, you know, I could have sat around and, you know, moped and been like, I'm going to be, you know, bored until my husband comes home and can, you know, entertain me (laughs) and give me stuff that I feel like I'm not getting right now. Um, That's, that would be a, a mistake. And you know what I mean? So spending the time Filling myself up with the things that made me feel like I was learning and growing and, um, you know, doing things that I thought would be supportive of my own, you know, journey and also at the same time, the family. And that way, when my husband came home, I wasn't leaning on him to somehow give me you know I wasn't burdening him with something like he had to now come home and give all of this emotional stuff you know because I wasn't able to figure it out myself does that make sense I know it's probably it's probably a much deeper conversation but
1: no it, it makes a lot of sense and I think that's kind of what stood out to me about your book was that you know, you didn't study what, how someone else told you to be happy and regurgitated in this book. These are lessons that you've really learned um, through life experience and what really has worked for you and what was, has made you feel fulfilled and, and happy. And I think that's probably why it's so powerful. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I think th- I appreciate that. I think when, you know, when I show up with all of my, all of myself Intact and the other person shows up with their self intact. So we've got, you know, we've got two wonderful Entities and then together you make this third thing which is called, you know, the relationship that you have That it all comes together then they're separate, but they're one Mm -hmm. so, you know, everything can stand we can stand on our own but together um, we, we are showing up in a way that we're each bringing uh, all of ourselves to the dance, which is a wholeness. And then we have this awesome third thing, you know, that we're, that we create together. And I think that, I don't know, I think thinking of it that way is, is, is kind of magical. And it's, um, and nobody has to feel like they are lacking anything.
1: Wow, that's great. I think we have fully covered principle one of common sense happiness. I feel like we've given people a lot of work to do, but also um, simple. And and it's exciting when you think about really taking control of your own happiness and making the changes we need to make and um, sort of creating the life that we want to live.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh... It really is in, in our own hands. Um, and even I think, uh, to you know, round this out, even if you are in a situation, um, a predicament that you are really uncomfortable with, and you really don't want to stay in that situation or that state of mind for the rest of your life. Seriously, you don't have to, if you just stop resisting it. And um, just learn a few of these techniques, um, whether they're from Common Sense Happiness, my book, or there are just thousands of other amazing works out on the planet um, that will help you understand that with a shift in your mindset, a shift in your thinking, and just learning a little bit more about sort of the cause and effect of how things are unfolding for you, you really can start to shift things in your life for the better and start to move into that state of happiness that is way better than a state of gray.
1: <laughs> That's great. Who, there is enough gray out there these days anyway. We don't need to bring any more of it into our own lives.
0: I agree. I agree. <laughs>
1: So that, uh, that probably wraps it up. Good for one day.
0: I I hope that uh, by talking with you about this, Christy, that was really fun and interesting.
1: This was super fun. I I love the idea that I can, you know, read a book and then I get to pick the author's brain a little bit. You know, not everyone gets the chance to do that. So I appreciate it. And I'm sure people are going to want to get the book now. Uh, For those who don't just get a signed autographed copy sent to them by the Lori Bischoff, humble brag, Um, where can people get it at?
0: Sure. So um, you can go to my website, lauribischoff.com, and uh, that'll take you there. Or you can just go right to amazon.com and um, pick it up there. So it's not hard to find. Um, and yes, that's, uh, let me know if you guys read it. Um, I would love to know your feedback and your thoughts and your comments. Um, hey, we're talking shift let's go out and do it go get the book pick it up and i promise you you will shift your life even if it's just a little bit of a start i know that you will please take a minute to subscribe if you loved what you heard today share it don't be greedy share all the good shift with everybody that you know we want we want to spread it all the happiness around so until next week stay feisty my friends stay healthy stay happy Go make some epic shift happen in your life. You too, Gary Vee.